This is Back to Debbie, a show brought to you by Campus Kin. This podcast specializes in collegiate football players and their potential for future success in the NFL. I'm your host, Mike V, and my co-host, Corey P, is back. We are back. The boys are back in town, and we will be going into our final Power 5 conference. It's the ACC, the East Coast, Best Coast, as the kids say. And we're going to go dive in like we're Trey Songs into what is the Atlantic Conference. I think the conferences are done, though, but, you know, just just for splitting up purposes, we're going to go over to what was the Atlantic Conference. Uh, we're going over coaching changes, current Debbie players, maybe my shoot some from D for some future Debbie assets we're trying to stash. But as always, Corey with the news. Mike, it is good to hear your voice, man. It was uh, a long two weeks there. You know, fuck, I, I missed actually coming on here Tuesday to talk to you, uh, but uh, it was nice to get a little bit of a break there. I have a very busy work schedule. So thank you to Dwight Peoples again for stepping in and filling in for those shows. You guys sounded great, but uh, you, guys are missing, I, you, you guys are missing a little something, though. You know, <laughs> I don't blame you, bro. I would miss me too, honestly. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, you were still here. Okay. But, anyways, <laughs> let, let's get to the news. Um, first heading over to Cincinnati where uh, an old favorite of mine quarterback Evan Prater is transitioning to wide receiver. Um, I don't really know if there's going to be anything to see there, but they're just figuring out, trying to figure out ways to get his athleticism involved because it's clearly not working at quarterback for him. But yeah, he's, he's pretty much a drop candidate at this point, if you haven't already, because I know I already have. Um, heading over to Syracuse, where uh, sophomore running back LeQuint Allen, uh, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, where he was suspended from the school for a fight that he had. He's reached an agreement. Uh, he dropped his case against the school. He's eligible again to play in the 2023 season, just like we told you he would be. So hopefully you got some uh, some nice value during the dip he saw during the, the uh, supplemental season there for over the past month. Um, heading over to LSU, running back John Emery is apparently going to be full on uh, for summer camp. So he's still hoping to live up to that five-star ranking he has. I'm sure. I don't, I'm sure. Yeah, I don't know what's going <laughs> to I don't know if he'll ever reach that. But he's apparently trying again. So adding another body to that pretty full LSU room there. Um, heading over to Arizona State, wide receiver Jordan Tyson. He's going to be limited to start uh, summer camp here. He's going to do some things, which, which is still pretty good news. But he's recovering from that late ACL, if you remember, that he had uh, at the end of the year last year. Somewhere like week nine or something like that. Um, weight updates. We've got some weight updates out of South Carolina. Uh, freshman quarterback Lenore Sellers. He was 232. He's up to 245. Uh, Nicholas Harbor. Um, still not sure what position he is exactly going to play. He's listed at tight end on fan tracks. He was 230. He's up to 241. And then Juice Wells, Antoine Wells, kind of a hot name right now uh, running through Twitter. He was 207. He's up just three pounds to 210 pounds. So some good weight increases there. Um, I also wanted to head over to Dane Brugler, who's been dropping his early rankings for the 2024 class. First, I wanted to look at the running back position, his top five for right now. He's got Blake Horm at number one and Mike, he's got him listed at 219 pounds with a V next to it verified. He says for sure he's 219 pounds. So I don't know. We talk about that a little bit later. Number two, he's got Braylon Allen listed there. Uh, number three, he's actually got Donovan Edwards. So he's got both Michigan running backs listed in the top three there. He's got Trey Benson uh, out of Florida State at, at number four. And then he's got Trayvon Henderson at number five. Then he's got Shipley and Sanders kind of bringing up the rear there at six and seven. Um, Blake Corum at 219 pounds. What do you think about this, man? There's no way to do this. Five foot six, five foot seven weighs 219 pounds. He did say, wow. yeah, this also did list five, five, seven uh, and a half verified oh. as well. <laughs> 
So, lying, so dude. I don't know where he got these numbers. I don't know. Maybe he realizes he doesn't have speed and he's like, I'm just going to maybe try to become a power back. By adding up I don't the know. He must have been hanging out with those South Carolina players loading up on that weight. Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe that's that offseason away. Um, heading over to the wide receivers, though. Top five. This is a little more uh, chalky, though, but there is some fun in here, right? Number one, they've got Marvin Harrison Jr., of course. Number two, LSU wide receiver Malik Neighbors. He's sitting at number two for him. Emek Egbuka comes in at number three, Ohio State wide receiver. And he's got Keon Coleman, who we'll talk about a little bit later, so we won't get okay. into him too much here, at number four. And then he's got J. Michael Sturdivant, baby, at number five. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Lad McConkley? I thought he was like the hot name this week. I I don't think uh I think I, I think this was underclassmen if I'm not mistaken. Okay. So I don't know if he has the seniors mixed in yet with the rankings yet. But yeah, anyway, so I was still pretty excited to see J. Michael Sturdivant there. He's getting a lot of buzz out there, man. Like I think uh, I think people are excited about him over there at UCLA. They're talking about him pretty highly over there. So um for you, biggest surprises? Any surprises through this list? Any misses? I mean my. Jimbo Sturman's a bit of a surprise. If it's a, like, I don't think Dane's not into projecting. Last time we talked to him, I kind of got that vibe that that's not what he's into. So mm-hmm. if he's not projecting and that's what he just saw, then I think that's a surprise. Um, uh, neighbors over a mecca is a bit of a surprise too. Yeah, I am a hater. Dude. I am a hater. <laughs> you realize that uh, of all the day two picks um, this past draft, they all had impact as freshmen like they all like had some sort of freshman like production except for cedric tillman besides him everyone else did too and the class before that same thing so i do think freshman production matters even for the nine-year one shows like the guys that aren't top 300 recruits so yeah i don't know i am a hater though but i have i have come to like a really like a recent like a I don't know, epiphany a realization that um i don't play in like deep leagues i play like you know two wide receiver, two running back, and, like, two flex. Like, that's kind of, like, my standard for dynasty. So that's mm-hmm. why I always poo-poo these, like, wide receiver two threes for the NFL. And now yeah. we're in this draft together where we have, you know, on the on the collegiate side, we have three quarterbacks, two running backs, three wide receivers, four flex. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm like, damn, dude, I do not play in deep leagues. This is, quote-unquote, the C2C standard. So, yeah. And, and the thing is, like, when you do get – when you are playing C2C – and your NFL team is only getting the players you transfer over, like those wide receiver threes and those wide receiver twos and those guys, they start, they end up starting for you, even if they're just spot stars. The Greg Dorches, the, the those type of guys, they'll they'll spot the Richie James, they'll spot start for you just because of the way your roster is, you know, and everybody's dealing with it. It's not like one is super stacked compared to somebody else. They're just so deep, that's what it ends up being, you know. But yeah. Um, anyways, guys, uh give you a little bit of the wrap up here just a reminder that we did just release the cff guide on july 1st 250 pages team outlooks projected depth charts rankings uh, they got the freshman 50 in there they got sleepers it's everything you need to know to attack your cff drafts this offseason it's a 20 dollar one-time purchase or become a member today with one of our many subscription options some of which include access to this guide as well as our uh, supplemental and freshman guide and our Debbie guide that we also uh, released last month uh, and access to all of our awesome tools that you guys see posted all over Twitter. So make sure you guys are checking out the family of podcasts and the YouTube channel to make sure you guys are keeping up to date with everything going on throughout the off season. My father-in-law, a little bit of a story. Sorry, guys, not doing football stuff at the moment, but my father-in-law had his birthday this past weekend. Uh, He has two daughters. So there's two son-in-laws. Corey, who do you think the favorite son-in-law is? Oh, I don't know. There's two different two different son-in-laws. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you better... okay. you're not the favorite. 
I well, I am the favorite, <laughs> and it's because I got him home field apparel for his birthday. Okay. That's right. I got him the George Washington shirt. He said, "Oh, this is so soft. I'm gonna go wear this to the airport tomorrow." And I was like, "Kev, you're gonna be the night. You're gonna be the hottest guy in the airport. You're gonna be like, damn, this guy's probably going to Tahiti with his super nice home field apparel shirt." Guys, if you want to get yourself on home field apparel, we do have a, a code here. They are one of our sponsors. It's Campus, the number two in Canton for 15% off your first purchase. And if you already used your first purchase, just use another email. I, I know that you guys know people's college emails. You, use your coworkers' emails. Let me tell them about it. Just use somebody else's email to get those orders through. Home field apparel, Campus to Canton is the code. Corey, let's get into it. Let's get into the ACC. Let's get into the Atlantic, which no longer exists. Uh, I want to start off with uh, Louisville. It's spelled, it's pronounced Louisville. If you're from Kentucky, so stop saying Louisville. No one says it from the <laughs> state. All right, it's Louisville. Like say like you're choking on your tongue. Louisville. I'll I'll still probably say Louis Louisville. I don't. That sounds weird now that I say it. Now that you're saying it. So <laughs> <laughs> All right, but for the people that are local to Kentucky, it's Louisville. All right, the new head coach is Jeff Brown. Comes over from Purdue, right? So the previous head coach was Scott 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 Satterfield. Uh, he's gone. All right. But Jeff Brom here, 2017 to 2022, he was the Purdue head coach. From 2014 to 2016, he was the Western Kentucky University head coach. Uh, 2013, he was the WKU OC. Uh, this is a great hire. I'm pretty excited about it there. So there's a significant overall. Again, okay, I got I to give another shout out to Nate Marquise for writing these coaching changing articles. Go ahead and check them all out on campus2can.com. There was a good overhaul here at QB run game with the Satterfield system. So you had, you know, Malik, uh, oh man, Malik Cunningham was pretty exciting there for a while. Uh, but we have Jeff Brown, who's now the exact opposite here. We're going into a pass happy spread offense here. Uh, just put that in perspective here. Brown's offenses average 15 more pass attempts a game at Purdue than Satterfield did at, at Louisville there. So 15 more pass attempts here. Um, it was a very inefficient system, though. So they're averaging 28 points per game. That's 2.5 yards per play over the last three seasons. That's uh, that's pretty low in the statistical category here. But I do want to say this. Uh, Purdue is not like a school that recruits. They don't have big NIL stuff like that. They're, they're kind of – they will never be a big football school. And I think Jeff Brown maximized what he could with what he got. And the two times he had top 20 wide receiver recruits – that was Rondell Moore, second-round pick, and then David Bell, who's a third-round pick. Both guys were very prolific college athletes and players, uh, not so much in the NFL, but, but now that he goes to Louisville, who does have the recruiting power to be a competitive football program, and he has a lot of NIL money to play with. So the fact that Jeff Brown was so successful with such little options, I am super excited for the Louisville – well, I'm not as a Kentucky fan, but as a football fan, I am very excited for their future as a football program. So let's go ahead and get a dive into it, Corey. Um, I've talked enough here. Let's start off with QBs and just, is there anyone in this room that you're looking at for Debbie potential? No, yeah, well, you got Jack Plummer coming over here from Cal. Uh, I think he's a fine college quarterback. He'll probably fit this system well. He is a pocket passer, not a guy that's going to offer a lot uh, as a rusher. Passed for like 3,000 yards, I believe, or just over it with, with Cal last year, which was a pretty rough, well, they had some good wide receivers there with Hunter and, and Sturdivant. Yeah, but, Jeremiah yeah. Hunter, there you go, anyway. Yeah, so uh, hey, I'll give love to both of them. I'm not a hater, okay? But all right, he, all right. did, he did all right with those guys for Debbie value. I'm not really interested. I'm kind of looking towards next year. Also, with Jeff Rom here with a lot of new NIL money, I think something's going to happen down the line where maybe they get a quarterback in or something like that, somebody a little bit more exciting because – 
I mean, the two guys in the room right now, you're looking at Brady Allen, who was with him at Purdue last year, came in as a freshman, or Pierce Clarkson, who just came in this year. But it's kind of weird because Pierce Clarkson's kind of like in the mold of a Malik Cunningham. You know what I mean? Like smaller, mobile, um, has a little bit of an arm to him, but a, a long wind-up mechanics are a little bit all over the place. He would have fit the old system a lot better. Now he brings Brady Allen over here, who probably fits the system a little bit better. He probably looks like the guy who's going to be the next guy. The only thing that bugs me about this whole thing was that when he originally left, and then Brady Allen enters the portal, and then he decides to go back, and yeah. then he eventually goes back again to Brom. Like, did Brom not want him? I don't know. Well, I thought he was going to go to Ole Miss originally. And I don't know what happened. I don't know. Yeah, the fan story. tracks thought so too. <laughs> yeah. 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 But he like go, he leaves right before the bowl game. And it's like, can we at least get like a game, bro? Like, can we just see some tools here? Can we see yeah, how you look? Yeah. He left, he like missed the whole bowl game. So yeah, I, I'm in on Brady Allen because he had a prototypical size. I liked him as a high schooler too. He had a pretty big clutch game I had to watch for high school. I, I just like him. I, Jack Plummer, too, gets reunited with with Jeff Brom. He was his quarterback, I want to say, three years ago, right before Aiden O'Connell. He has prototypical size. I, I thought I really watched the tape because I was like trying to ask about do I think he has debut potential? And the answer was just no. I mean, there was some pretty yeah. bad passes. Like he threw something to the ground. Like it was just, I don't know why he threw it there. <laughs> you know? Yeah, he's um, the college quarterback. Yeah, true. but he's got like so much raw production at Cal. It's hard to like think that he can't replicate that in a better system at, at Louisville. So I feel like. I feel like Jack Plummer is one of those guys that gets drafted day three, like like uh, like Sean Clifford, and you're like, why did he even get drafted? You know, like yeah, he's one of yeah, those. I, that's why I think I think that might happen for Jack Plummer, but I think Brady Allen is the future here. And then for Pierce Clarkson, um, I really only watched the All American Bowl from him as a senior, and he was he was pretty terrible there. Yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, he he does. So, he's not he's not a traditional core. He's not going to fit in traditional systems unless you're going to like run him around and make him make yeah. him one read an easy place for him to 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 look good in a setting like that. But he he wasn't built for a setting like that. And he was Ron built Murray, for the system that was here. You know what I mean? But it's, yeah, yeah. But it's not. And Ron brought in two guys too. He brought in two guys. He already brought yeah. in Ray Allen. He got the future. He got one look at Pierce Clarkson and was like, "Yeah, I don't think this is going to work. We got to let's go get Brady <laughs> Allen. Actually, let's go back. Actually, Allen, will you come? Yeah. That's he's uh, like speed dating. He's like, "Hey, look, it's uh, it's you. It's not. It's it's me. It's not you. I think I can just do better. I'll see you later." Yeah. <laughs> So I, I, my only worry here is that I don't know if I'm specifically planning myself for one of these guys to be the guy. I'm still thinking that there could be something down the line, whether it's through transfer portal, whether they get a big recruit, something like that. There's a lot of new things for Jeff Brom to play with here. He might go pluck out somebody he really likes, but we'll see. Yeah. All right. Let's get on to, let's get on to the running backs then. Um, I personally don't care about anybody here. Brahms RBs just haven't been productive, even from like a raw number standpoint, and let alone Debbie too. They haven't really worked out as Debbie assets. I think Jahar Jordan is the assumed starter from us. Mm -hmm. He's like an undersized guy, a little speedster, scat back type guy. But uh, I don't, I don't even think he's even that good for one of the little guys out there. So, um, not really a special running, no special traits. Uh, I'm not really ending the running back room here. I do just want to say though, just so everyone doesn't forget this story. Um, Louisville did have Ruben Owens like locked in as a commit for a, a mm -hmm. while there with their with their NIL. So um, I definitely think they're a destination school for for some running back some here next year. So 
Yeah, I thought that he had a good chance to possibly be the guy in year one, too. That was kind of a reason I was a little bit more in on Rubio. It's not that there's not a good situation over at Texas A&M, too. I think he could possibly climb through that, too. But it was a better one here. Um, Jawar Jordan, definitely going to be the guy this year. Came on strong towards the end of the year a little bit. CFF team's really big on him. He's kind of a hot supplemental pick, kind of like in those mid to late rounds for a guy who's going to be like a one-year guy there. The only guy that I will mention here that I kind of liked as a sleeper, I mentioned him in our freshman sleeper show, um, was Kiwan Brown, uh, three-star prospect, 5'9", 205 pounds. Just a, a guy who was uber, uber productive in, in high school. Um, low center of gravity type of guy. Um, only 20.5 miles per hour, I believe, required from our recruiting team. So he's kind of like, he was kind of a guy, caught the ball a little bit too, that I saw did a lot of things really well. Maybe he was missing something elite. But, you know, there's opening here. That's, that's kind of my philosophy sometimes when I look at freshman running backs, especially ones outside the top tier, is I'm looking for opportunity. You know, guy rooms that I could see somebody climb out of. And this one doesn't really scare me that much. So I was like kind of looking for somebody. This is kind of the guy I picked anyway. So maybe just somebody to throw on the radar there. I like it. I like it. Let's head on over to the wide receiver room here. A little bit more interesting guys to talk about here. I think this is actually a really sneaky good wide receiver room as it is right now. Um, Jeff Brown does have a good history with wide receivers. We already talked about David Bell in the third, Rondell Moore in the second. But Charlie Jones this last year, who was – a remarkable CFF asset himself as a fifth rounder. So he got drafted. And then Taewon Taylor out of WKU in 2017, he got drafted to uh, the Titans in the third round as well. Um, and I think Brom on the roster right now has like more to work with. So we have the transfer in Jamari Thrash from South Alabama was kind of putting together last year. And uh, there's just so much off, uh, like, you know, some on-field buzz with him this spring so far. Um Let's just talk about Jamari Thrash here first, Corey. How do you feel about him as a as a Devi asset here? No, that's kind of the 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 hard thing with here. I like that he's hopping to the power of five. Wouldn't even consider him at all if he didn't actually do this. Um, you know, entering his fifth year now, he was a three star prospect, four star transfer. So he he was looked at a little bit better in the in the recruiting services once he did decide to transfer. Didn't do anything until like his fourth year, which is obviously a pretty red flag in the science of Devi. Um, but had a pretty good year, 61 grabs, uh, 100 and, or 1,122 yards, seven touchdowns, um, 4.540 as a recruit, 6'1", 180 pounds. So it's like he's got like a, a build that I'm okay with. He's got some athleticism that I like. Um, here's the sneaky part about his profile. Okay, being at Georgia Southern over there, they were not a high vol- volume passing attack during his early years. So when we look at some of those early years where he didn't do much, we're like, oh, there's not much there. But when you actually look like 200 yards was like the second leading receiver and like the leading receiver had like 300. So literally 2020, he had 2.32 yards per route run. 21, he had 2.32 yards per route run. 22, he had 2.44 yards per route run. So that's just a, a good example of how much uh, a guy is taking uh, of, of a team's offense, how much of an impact he's making to a team's offense. Anything over two is pretty is pretty freaking good. And he's been that for the past three years, very sneakily in this quiet offense. I will say some of those things, and some of the spring reports that we're getting now with, with Brahms wide receiver ones that usually do so well in CFF, like I'm kind of interested, man, like at least as a C2C asset, um, when it starts getting to that range where you're, you're flipping to CFF guys, he's kind of a guy that I'm putting near the top of the list there. No, I love that. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Uh, Brahm does blow up his wide receiver ones if he is that role, which is kind of where me and you are both. I think everyone, everyone here at Campus can all the teams are leaning towards yeah. him being the one here. Uh He's going to be productive, and he has been efficient, just like Corey said here. He already coming off a 1,000-yard receiving season. His last three games, all over 100 yards. I mean, 
I'm kind of in there that he could be one of those guys that slides into uh, day two. He goes to the senior bowl. He has a good senior bowl. Not sure that he's a stud at the next level, but yeah. I think he at least hits most of the bullet points where he gets there. So one of those deeper guys that if you're in a shallow league, like all my leagues, you're not excited <laughs> about, but if you're in a deeper <laughs> league. You're a little bit excited about that one. Um, don't take him in the draft, right? Don't do it. <laughs> and then my next pick, <laughs> I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take him in the next pick. <laughs> so for everyone that doesn't know, we're we're drafting next to each other in a draft, and it's just I had to it's, trade in front of him to get Makai Lemon. We're already oh, stabbing each other in the back. Yeah, especially back. in these mid rounds, we'll we'll start getting separating a little bit more. But in these mid rounds, yeah, I know we were both waiting for Jaquindon Jackson. They're coming. Uh, the mm, yeah, dude, I really and I was ahead of you. I was so pumped about it. I really was. I was wait, I was waiting a whole round just so I can get in front of you. So you I was gonna know. I was gonna trade in front of you. I was thinking about it. <laughs> Anyways, okay, back to these back to these Louisville wide receivers. Okay, let's talk Kevin Coleman. Okay, fast. Okay. Fast, high-ranking freshman wide receiver. Last year, went to Jackson State, 5'11", 170 pounds. Um, he was a high four-star as a recruit. For some reason, he dropped to a three-star as a transfer. I'm not sure if they just didn't like what they saw. When I look at him, um, you know, I watched a couple games last year. And then, like, looking at some of his testing and then just kind of seeing how things played out. Like, I think he's a very sudden wide receiver. He got deep a lot last year in Jackson State. I still wonder if that's going to happen the same way it will here at Louisville. Because I was even looking. He's got some pretty lackluster track times and 4.6140 yard dash as well. But I do think he's a very sudden uh, wide receiver. He's very low for me in my rankings, though, man. I don't know how he fits into this into this offense. I don't know. I haven't heard any buzz about him in this spring. Um, wasn't wowed by anything I really watched. Like, he's he's well beyond my wide receiver 50 in my rankings. Oh, wow. You buried him. Yeah, uh, I buried him, yeah. I'll have to pull him up where I have him. I'm a little bit lower on him, too. I think he's in my 40s, though. Maybe 50s. I think I'm in the same area as you actually. Yeah, um, see, but it's not that it's not that different. I, I watched his tape too. He's an undersized guy. I did see some spring game buzz about him, though. I, I saw um Brown speaking directly into the media talking about his speed. He's a speedster. We're gonna utilize that. Um but I watching his tape, nothing like he didn't look he didn't look good. He didn't look good in his freshman year against the SWAC competition, which should seniors at quarterback, one of the best quarterbacks in the FCS. Um, and then this best game came off like, you know, the, the final game of the season where he had like a hundred yards, but like he had like a 50 yard touchdown based off busted coverage. It wasn't like really anything mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah. Um, so though he was productive, there just wasn't any flashes of like brilliance or playmaker or any type of stuff that made me feel good about his development. Like I didn't see any real deception in his routes. Like I know it's a freshman, but like you're playing lower competition. I think they would have bit a little bit harder on some of those fakes if you even tried. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm a little. I mean, I'm he also was a little bit out on. He was a borderline five star as a recruit. You know what I mean? Like he he should have. He, he was, was he? I thought he was like wide receiver fifteen. Was he a little? He, well, he him? was ninety. He was rated ninety six over like a ninety six okay. star rating by two four seven as a recruit. So it's like you know you expect a, a talent like that to, to beat up on you know FCS Slack. level like that. Yeah. yeah so, so that was kind of surprising. Um, yeah, so I, I am a little bit out on him. I'm a little bit higher on though the other uh true second year player, Chris Bell. Chris Bell is a six foot two, two twenty um wide receiver. I just re- recently put him in an article of mine for late round targets for Devi assets. He runs very fast, build up build up speed runner, but he can hit that twenty one plus miles per hour. Um in high school, he did have to go up against uh Travis Hunter uh in high school and he he bodied Travis Hunter. I mean, he absolutely destroyed him in that game. Um, he's a big physical guy. I think he's got some really good movement ability. His start stop needs to be improved. He definitely was uh needs to work on that. But 
for a guy his size showing off some deceptive moves and he also shows off some nice yak ability too i liked the flashes i saw from him and i'm hope that he gets into the starting lineup this year towards the end of the year and then he can take over year three but i i think that's the guy that's like one of my dark horse bets and i can't take full credit for him because the first guy I discovered him was our recruiting team which is why you got to follow those guys they always pick out these amazing three-star players um but anyway, uh, so shout out to Big Buy Receiver Guy there on that one. But I, I like Chris Bell to take over this room next year, and I hope he can win that X role this year. Yeah, I guess I, if I'm not mistaken, I think he was injured this spring. Am I right about that? Maybe you know that better than I do. But uh, I'll I, look it up. I'll yeah, I believe monitor here. I believe he had was dealing with an injury this spring. The only thing that bugged me was even you know Cover Three is doing their great summer series right now. They're talking to every every uh, beat reporter for the team from two four seven. They just did their Louisville one a little bit while ago. Chris Bell wasn't even mentioned at all, dude. They talked about like every single wide receiver. Didn't even mention Chris Bell's name once. And I was oh, like, yeah. man, like this guy's not this guy not even making any kind of impact or anything like that. So that's the only part that's worrying me a bit. Heading into year two, is he gonna have two quiet years now? And then you know that that part is worrying me a little bit. There's still some maybe some upside here in this system that he could become the guy in the future. But I'm I'm pretty worried, at least from what I'm hearing right now. He was hurt. I see that here yeah. now. He was injured for all the spring. So is Pierce Clarkson. So maybe we should just mention that for him. But yeah, both of them were hurt. Yeah, so he's definitely more of like a just a ridiculous dart throw for me. Like I probably wouldn't even pull a trigger in a forty-five round draft uh, on Chris Bell myself personally. But hey, That's you gotta so have your shots that you take. That's so you, gotta, you gotta take your shots. <laughs> All right. Well, at least I well I don't want to worry about you stealing him in this draft. So I guess I got yeah. that going for me. There you go. <laughs> uh, any other guys in this room right now? Is there like was it Bruce Huggins? Is he still there? Yeah, he's still there. He's a fast guy. He's we've been waiting for his breakout for so long, and then it just never really happened. A very highly efficient guy, like a big play threat kind of guy, but dealing with injuries, dealing with everything else, he just never really became what we thought he could. Maybe he will eventually, but you know, I'm out on him now. Yeah, I think that was a Felix Sharp guy too. <laughs> <There was some Felix>. <laughs> <laughs> he um, liked hey, to be honest, I was sort of in on that one a little bit early too. The two guys that me and Felix were kind of the same on was Monterey Baldwin and and this guy, Amari Huggins-Bruce, who we were talking up a little bit. Because chase speed sometimes, man. I think that's really yeah. what it is. Yeah. It works in college. Yeah. All right, let's hunt over to North Carolina State, the Wolfpack here. New OC, Robert and I. Previous OC was Tim Beck here. Um, Robert and I comes over from Syracuse. He was a Syracuse OC just for one year there. Before that, he was the Virginia UVA oc from 2016 to 2021 and then before that from 2013 to 2015 he was the byu offensive coordinator here uh so no no head coach teams here but they replace him with robert and i the, the offensive coordinator uh his impact has been absolutely huge he goes he goes and leads like virginia to have like a top 10 offense he leaves and then virginia's offense drops 105 spots without him yeah all in one season like that's that's how it is. He's a, a proven QB developer. He's a QB whisperer. He definitely, I think he's very good at getting everything out of his QB as possible. I remember last year, this is like kind of depressing to me a little bit. Brendan Armstrong was talked about as one of the best QBs in the ACC. There was draft buzz about him, all that stuff. Robert and I leaves to Syracuse. And all of a sudden I'm seeing graphics like halfway through the season of like from 24 seven sports rating the, the like the best to worst ACC quarterbacks and Brendan Armstrong was dead last. <laughs> We'd be 14. And I was just like, this is all in like six months, dude. So, yeah. and of course, Syracuse's offense was like the most prolific it's ever been last year. Uh, so, 
anyway, let's get into the QBs here. So a nice QB history, Taysom Hill. You guys should know that name. Uh, Bryce Perkins, Brendan Armstrong, and Garrett Schrader. Who These guys are all dual-threat quarterbacks here under an eye, so that's his specialty. Mm-hmm. He does get reunited with Brendan Armstrong here at NC State, the Wolfpack. Corey, do you believe in Brendan Armstrong at all? No, not, I don't really. If you had read our Debbie guide last year where I wrote his profile, and I don't think I don't did he make it? He didn't make it into this guide, actually. I'm pretty sure we cut it. But last year, <laughs> last year, I last year I wrote his profile and there's just a lot of things that I didn't like. You know, like I thought his throwing motion needed work. He like kind of had like a short term. I thought he could get more out of it by by changing his release up a little bit, lifting it up over the top a little bit. It was like this weird, like kind of truncated half swing baseball throw. Um you know, he had that really good year with Anai in Virginia, but then like it was surrounded by like some mediocre season. Once he left, it was mediocre. The year before that was mediocre. Um, he's kind of like a power rusher, I would say, as a quarterback, which doesn't tend to really work once you get to the next level, especially with like his frame. I believe he's only like 6'2", uh, 200 and something pounds. I don't think he's he's anything like super big or anything. So um, he's not a guy that I'm thinking has any Debbie assets. I wrote that I think he is a backup at best going into the next level when I wrote his Debbie guide last year. And I don't even know if he has backup potential, to be honest with you. Yeah, he's listed at six foot two, two ten. And the only yeah. power runner that I could think of is like Jalen Hurts. Like that's it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I I don't believe in his Debbie potential. I am excited about this offense only because of Robert and I is there. Like there's this is one of those offenses. Well, actually, we'll talk about this later. The next guy in the QB room, MJ Morris. Am I, is it TJ or MJ? I always MJ, mess this up. MJ All right, Morris. MJ Morris uh, got some spot starts last year. I actually thought he like threw some nice spirals. I thought he was a very decent like dual threat QB. Um, I didn't see a lot that was special, but again, it was like a true freshman. I thought he looked really fine in his in his spot starts, and the fact that he gets paired up with an eye who does do really well at developing these dual threat QBs. I like his tool set and I like his developmental path here. So Morris is a guy that I think I'm higher on the most. I was kind of like, I think Brennan from is QB this year. I think guys have kind of fallen off the hype train. Like he was kind of got a little bit of hype there, but I, I, I do like MJ Morris for the future of the Wolfpack. Yeah. I thought he looked, I thought he looked pretty decent too. You know, he started a three game stint there. Um, didn't really like wow from a yardage standpoint. I don't even know if he broke 300 yards, but carried them to a two and one record. Um, seven touchdowns, only one interception, um, not much rushing, uh, obviously. But then if you look at his profile too, like he's a decent athlete, 38 inch vert. So he's got some cops there, um, four, seven, 40, which isn't the greatest, but as a quarterback, we're talking about like, that's a fine time, at least as a prospect. So I kind of liked him as well. Uh, I was kind of hoping he was going to get his shot here. I was disappointed when they ended up bringing Brandon Armstrong over, to be honest, like I was ready to raise him up in my rankings, but I do like him a little bit too. I actually have my QB 40. I think I rankings. wrote his. Debbie profile, I, th- I thought, if I remember this correctly, I thought a lot of, you could tell the play calling changed when they put him in. It was very simplistic. It was very, like, manufactured. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to poo-poo how he did <laughs> as a true freshman. Like, that stuff is all fine. Like, that's expected. Uh, I just thought I performed to standard there. So, I, I'm moving him up. I don't know where I have him right now. It's too low. I'm in the. I'm literally overhauling my rankings right now. So by the time you guys listen to this podcast, I probably actually already updated my rankings probably by Thursday. Um, but I'm moving him up because I do think, I think he's a great stash player. 
And for what it's worth, like Brandon Armstrong from reports did not have a great spring. I'm pretty sure he had a pretty rough spring game too. If I remember correctly, I can't remember exactly, but just off the top of my head, I'm pretty sure he had a rough spring game too. So it's like, I don't know, maybe a Nile will pull the trigger or pull the, uh, the leash if he has to eventually, but if he, if he keeps struggling, that'd be cool. All right. Don't draft him either. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> this draft is tearing us apart. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Heading over to the running back room. So if you guys do remember Syracuse last year, Sean Tucker's production did suffer under a nine. He's definitely more of a spread offense type throwing guy. I don't have any running backs in the room. I'm really watching. I think you do, though. I feel like we've talked about this months ago. But I, I, have, I have my hands off this running back room. No, I think you must be misremembering something. The only guy that was in this room before, if I'm not mistaken, was Semi Dumo, who you guys have now over there at Kentucky. Um, uh, Demi Sumo Kungardme or some, some weird long name or whatever, but he's your, he, I'm pretty sure he's coming in to be a running back too or whatever. I thought he was, his nickname was Slimy Shark. You ever hear that? Uh, yeah, Slimy Shark. Yes, I have. Yeah, I have yeah, yeah. Shark. So he, uh, he used to be here. He's gone now. Jordan Houston looks like he's going to be the lead guy. I used to like yeah, him a little Jordan bit as, as a, as a recruit. Um, I remember he tested pretty well as a recruit too. Can't remember exactly, but it was like a 4.4 number or something. He's like decent size, but he never became anything that we thought he was going to be. I even have him on like on roster still, and I'm starting to cut him now. So yeah, nothing here in this running back room that's really standing out to me. Michael Allen, I believe was a freshman last year. Maybe if you want to take a shot on somebody young and see if something happens, but yeah, he did get be. some work at the end there. I don't remember yeah. the numbers, but I do remember he got some work at the end there. Yeah. Um, Cause I felt bad because I made fun of his little, his weight. He definitely has some bad weight. So I'm sure he fixed that by now though. Uh, Anai does have a really good history of the wide receivers. If you guys remember Dontavian Wicks from two seasons ago, getting Ooh. some top 10 hype here and there. Couldn't be me. Couldn't be me. But, you know, some people <laughs> liked him a lot. <laughs> Your guy in 2022. God, yeah, dude. I think I'm my guy. That was so <laughs> okay. Mine was, Evan, mine was Evan Prater, so we won't talk about those. <laughs> um, so Wicks coming off 2021 was, I mean, I thought he was phenomenal. I thought he had a good release package. He was more of a jump ball guy, but I, I thought he had – a little bit something more. And then last year we got all this hype for a Rondé Gadsden now, you know, he's listed at tight end. So I know some guys don't like that, but if he goes wide receiver, I'm sure he's in plenty of people's top tens in this industry. Um, so we'll see if a Rondé Gadsden disappears this year without an eye, but I, I don't really know anyone in this wide receiver room. This is just like, just like Louisville, just like Texas Tech, there's these offensive coordinators I think are just great minds, and I just don't see any NFL tape traits or talents or guys in the pipeline that I like really want to like hammer down. But NC State's one of those schools that like I am watching closely because of Robert and I. So, Corey, do you have any wide receivers for me to talk about or for you to talk about here? I will just mention Dakari Collins, who ex-Clemson wide receiver. That's right. yeah. He got like kicked off the team or left the team early December last year, and now he's ended up here at NC State. I don't really know how the path he got there, um, but he's here now. So there, that is a high-ranking guy that could do something. Here's a guy when I was looking through this list, reading these spring reports, that was very interesting to me. So we all know Rondé Gadsden last year, who's you know labeled as a tight end, really played a big slot role for them, blew up in that big slot role. Um so the, one of the guys that's really been getting a lot of buzz this year uh, in spring camp is a true freshman by the name of Javante Vereen. He goes by Juice Vereen. He's like the same size as Rondé Gadsden, okay? He's like 6'5", 215 pounds. He's technically a tight end. Fantrax has him labeled as a tight end as well. Could be like a little cheat code there as well. He was apparently getting first-team reps in that big slot role 
by the end of camp. He wasn't the, the, the only guy, but he was earning some first team reps in that role at the start of camp. That is a, a sleeper for you guys that you guys need to keep watch on, at least if you're playing C2C, because that could be a cheat code like Aronde Gadsden is now um, because of that TE eligibility he has on fan track. So juice, Javante juice Vereen, keep your eyes out for that guy. And the other freshman that's getting a lot of buzz, uh, a guy by the name of Kevin conception. I know nothing about this guy. Okay. I noticed a couple guy. uh, Collins drafted him in a couple drafts uh, in our C2C versus NIL draft. I just know that there's been some buzz there um, as a guy, and he's listed as second-team wide receiver already. So that's another guy that could potentially um, have some future, at least in this offense. But at least for the starting uh, three guys, there's nobody I'm really that interested in. I, I'm i sorry. I actually looked into Kevin Conception, like I want to say in the winter, and I quickly turned off his film. Man. Sorry, I totally forgot that name existed. I did look into him. Yeah, he got a lot of buzz this spring. I actually haven't looked at him at all. I, I meant to actually put like his his weights and stuff here. So I don't know if you have it in front of you. If you want to put, if you want to, yeah, yeah. It, he's five eleven, one seventy three. He's oh, so wide receiver ninety seven. Yeah, and wide receiver ninety seven is a three star guy. I know he was also visiting North Carolina, so I know that's another offer he had on the table. So, all right, let's head on over to Syracuse. So the team that Robert and I leaves. They get Jason Beck. Jason Beck was the Syracuse QB coach last year. Before that, he was the Virginia QB coach from 2016 to 2021. Before that, he was the BYU QB coach from 2013 to 2015. And then before that, the 2012 Simon Frazier offensive coordinator. So this guy followed Robert and I for like the last 10 years. That's pretty much what we're getting at with this. This should be... This, this should be the same system installed here. So I, I kind of like alluded to maybe Robert Knight leaves and Ronnie Gatson falls off, but Jason Beck has followed around for 10 years. So you should, you should have the safe assumption that this system is going to stay in place. So they are known as QB whisperers. We saw Garrett Schrader last year. He's probably assumed the same exact thing from Garrett Schrader this year. Uh, we just haven't seen this guy call plays since 2012, where he was the OC for Simon Fraser university. So, Again, we're just assuming it's the same system because he is a a Robert and I, you know, coaching tree from the last 10 years. Let's head over to the QB room here. Garrett Schrader. Corey, does he have any Debbie value? No. I mean, <laughs> I feel like I've said no to like every quarterback you've asked me today, but it, really some of the starting guys, at least in this side of the conference, aren't, aren't guys that we're super high on. He was our last quarterback in the Debbie guide last year. Surprisingly enough, he didn't make the cut again this year, though, but really saw that boost in, in an eye system where, you know, the passing kind of married up with the rushing because he'd always been more of a rusher. Like a, he, he, I think he even hit highs like 900 yards or something one year, but his passing always suffered. He kind of married those two together with an eye. Like you were saying, he, he's kind of a quarterback whisperer. So um, I really just think that he's still more of uh an athlete than a quarterback i actually wrote his his debbie profile that year um but yeah he's his ball placement's a little bit all over the place really long wind up but he's a, he's a pretty good rusher um you know I, some of the testing numbers four six forty he's got a 35 inch vert and he's got a 4.01 shuttle which is actually like some legit quickness for like a quarterback 4.01 is a, is a great shot yeah, for a guy that's six foot four two thirty. yeah i mean so that's so that that is very good i can't i don't know what he was listed at when he actually tested those numbers but either way i just think he's more athlete than he is quarterback i don't see an nfl future here Yep, last year, 953 rushing yards, 14 touchdowns, eight fumbles, though. And then, yeah. uh, sorry, that was two years ago. And then last year was 644 rushing yards. Yeah, which is where, where they kind of married it together. He had a little bit better passing numbers and rushing. So, yeah, and I got the best out of him. Like you said, he maximized them. Yeah, he did. So, do you think this is one of the tools he has, I guess, taking day three? Like, do you think this no. guy gets, like, 
You I don't think, think so. Like, Triangle invite in like late day three. I don't know. I just don't think that the passing technique is there. Like I think he's just athlete. Like he's like he's just like a like a big athlete, man. Like maybe he's like a tight end that can switch a tight like, end, like a Felipe Franks member uh, from uh, Arkansas yeah. back in the day or something. Yeah, I like do. That, I do remember. He looked yeah, good so, for one preseason game. Got some hype. Yeah, I, I can see Gary that. Schrader getting on a preseason game and becoming a hero for like two weeks and then forgotten. Yeah, a nice big long run or something. Mows yeah. mows over a guy and yeah, the <laughs> headlines. The next Daniel Jones, dude. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Um, I don't, I actually don't know who's in the shoot here. Is it Gavin Wimsat or is that Rutgers? Am I mixing up the orange? That's team? Rutgers. I think. Yeah, some, I think Syracuse is like. I want to say Lamson, Justin Lamson, or something like that. Okay. I so I no, remember, no one yeah. that we're worried about, though. No, no. All right, going over to the running back room. I'm just going to throw this to you right away. The running back room is Syracuse. You go ahead with this one. My boy, Mr. LeQuint Allen. We mentioned him at the top of the of uh, the show here. Cleared to play 2023. He's headed in to be the starter this year. Um, you know, you look towards last spring, looked great in the spring bowl or in the spring game, ended up opening the season as running back two in his offense, which was already putting him on my radar because that's another one of those things I, I look for a little bit. I'm looking at these high end running backs who are probably going on to the NFL the next year and maybe trying to pluck, you know, their, their successor. Uh, if, if I, if I really believe in them, um, so that I can have the guy a year early before the hype gets there. Like it is this year, because last year I was plucking him like round 40, round 45. Now he's like a top 10 round pick in a C2C draft. So, um, he only had 29 regular season touches, but out of those 29 regular season touches, he had a 90 yard rushing touchdown. He had a 41 yard reception touchdown and he had a 33 yard passing touchdown. So they were using him in all these different types of ways. He was kind of like this do it all guy. Um, finally got the start in the bowl game when Sean Tucker decided to opt out to prepare for the NFL draft. He had over 150 scrimmage yards, 11 catches, which is the most in a game by a Syracuse wide receiver, any player in the past three years. Um, they've been using him out of the backfield as well all spring. So that is apparently going to be a really big part of his game. So I'm loving that CFF value there as well. I think he's going to get a lot of PPR points for you. And he's a versatile player, but the main thing, it, it, the main concerns I have, obviously, six foot, 195 pounds. It's a little bit of a lean, long build, kind of like Rashad White when he first came to Arizona State and then eventually ended up packing on the pounds. And that's kind of a comparison that I've been running with a little bit with LaQuinn Allen is I see a little bit of Rashad White in his game with the pass catching, with the slashing running style. Um, so I think he's going to be very productive this year. Want to see that weight come up, but he's locked in as a top 30 debut running back for me. That's spicy, dude. I do like it. I think he's certainly a day three guy, um, but if it puts on that weight, then yeah, I'm very interested. I'm very yeah. interested to see how he does, especially with his running style, see if he can improve that. Um Worried about his suspension, or is that dropped? It was dropped. Yeah, it's dropped. We went over that top of the show there. Nice, nice, nice. I always pay attention. So yeah, <laughs> I, I was like within you. I was making sure you knew. <laughs> All right, I I like LeQuinn too a lot. I don't know about top thirty, but I think I have him in like thirty-five to forty range, which is fine. That's close enough. Yeah, yeah, that's your guy, bro. But I'm in. You convinced me. Yeah. I wasn't. I wasn't in the first two, three times, but you got me. Welcome aboard. Oh. We welcome you. <laughs> um going up to the wide receiver room slash tight end room aronde gadston right uh six foot five two ten i wrote his profile for the devi guide here i i i'm not in love with the player and the play style uh mm. as far as like six foot five he's a legit six foot five as far as like six foot five guys in the nfl being successful it's it's mike evans he's the poster child for it. mike evans is an insane freak athlete Aronde Gatson is not an insane freak athlete. 
I think he's a little bit soft and he's a little bit stiff. I thought Anaya really helped manufacture get him some touches. Obviously, being in line helps him with the release package too. So as far as being like a Devi asset, I really don't see it at the next level. I think you're going to really enjoy him in your tight end slot here for your C2C leagues. Um, but I don't really see it at the next level for the NFL. Um, I just don't see the athlete or the play style translating, like neither of them. I wonder, too, if what's going on with C2C leagues and Fat Tracks leagues and the fact that everybody's just talking about him, if some people are really, like, mistaking that for draft type and we really like this player and, and whatever but it's not it's because of his tight end eligibility on fan tracks like that's what we're excited about you know what i mean like i don't yeah I, i'm kind of with with you there too and like and like while he should be productive there is question marks with an, an eye leaving like is he going to be used in the same way are they going to try to put him outside is he going to have the same role like to me he's just a tweener guy when i look at him as an nfl guy he's not thick enough to be an nfl tight end and he's not athletic enough to be a wide receiver so he's kind of getting stuck like in the middle here where he's either going to be like a, just a depth possession wide receiver or he might not ever be anything on the NFL level. So I'm, I'm a little, I'm definitely off of him as a Debbie asset, but Hey, tight end eligibility on fan tracks, you know, round uh, seven and up in your C2C drafts, go ahead and pluck them if you need a tight end. Yeah. Yeah. And you said it too, with the tweener stuff. I just, it's fine for college. It's not okay for NFL. Yeah. Uh, any other guys in this room before we move on? No, let's, uh, let's to head on over to Clemson. Yes, Clemson. Garrett Riley comes in. Brandon Streeter is out. Garrett Riley comes from TCU. He's a TCU OC for their championship run. Well, championship appearance run. Uh, before that, he was the SMU offensive coordinator from 2020 to 2021. So Dabo finally succumbs to the pressure, hired someone from outside the Clemson tree. Garrett Riley comes in from TCU. He was the Art Bryles Award winner uh, for what he accomplished at TCU, which was pretty amazing. So going over to the QB room here, um, Garrett Riley has not had like prolific high-end QBs, you know, not high recruits. You know, last year, Max Duggan. The year before that, in 2021, Tanner Mordecai. And then in 2020, the SMU, he had Shane Buechler. Buechler? I'm messing that up. Yeah, I don't know. Buchelli? I don't know. <laughs> Buchel. Oh, I really do know this guy's name. I'm going to remember it when I get off air. I really do. But anyway... Shane was a third round pick, or not third round, was a day three pick or UDFA, but I know he's with the Chiefs. He looked good in his preseason game two years ago, so I think he's still the backup there for Mahomes. Mordecai goes to Wisconsin. I think Mordecai is also a day three guy, probably backup. Maybe you see him for some preseason games. And then Duggan just got drafted day three. So Riley has created these day three QBs out of guys that really were, I'm going to say, written off. And just, you know, uh, no one's been super excited about their traits development their career past their career arcs like no one's been amazed about it so garrett riley now gets clemson qb Cade klubnik who is a top rated qb and i'm really excited to see what the ceiling is here we saw Cade come in for relief or i should say replacement for dju at some parts at clemson last year and the playbook wasn't changed because i know when you watch him there was really no wow plays like there was no like he didn't look good he didn't look good and he had plenty of opportunities to look good but the playbook to me when I watched him play was the same exact playbook for DJU, which meant that it was a lot of simple, short area stuff. They wanted to run down the middle, even though DJU is a, a thick boy and K Club is a pretty, pretty skinny guy. He's not a power <laughs> runner and they wanted to run some power out there. So I, I'm, I'm like forgiving Cade for not blowing up any of his freshman games because it's Jen. That playbook was meant for DJU. They're very different players. Uh, so. I'm very excited for Garrett Riley and Clay and Kate Klubnik here. 
yeah, I think the hope is that, you know, Riley is going to get the best out of Cade because, you know, even though, even though it was a small sample size, like I, I, me too, I did not like what I saw out of Cade at the end of the year there. Like, I think he had trouble reading the field, uh, moving on to a second read. He's locking onto targets, um, which, which just ended up um, resulting in a bunch of like outside jump balls to, to his outside wide receivers or like just dumping it offshore. Right. So it kind of carried over into the spring game a little bit, which kind of, you know, bugged me a little bit. He did throw two interceptions, a uh, red zone interception as well. Just doesn't seem to have chemistry with this wide receiver core yet, which will hopefully just grow with time. He's, he's still a pretty young guy. We haven't seen enough to kind of write the final book on him. So um, he's still going pretty high in drafts. A lot of people still believe there's a lot of upside there. Um, there is still upside there. You know, uh, he was a high ranking guy. Um, I'm just hoping to see a bigger jump this year because he's somebody that, you know, I've been avoiding to this point at that price point. You know, he, he's to me, he's missing that tantalizing high end trait. Like, you know, he doesn't have the rushing. He doesn't have the flashy arm. He doesn't have the flashy movement skills. So I'm, I'm missing my thing to hang my hat on with him. Yeah, it's more about we love the system more than we love the player. Yeah. So, and if Garrett Riley wasn't there, like let's say they just replaced Brandon Schroeder with, I don't know, with someone else from the Clemson tree, I think he'd be much lower in our like rank, industry rankings here. And then going into the quarterback room, I know they got uh, Christopher Vicenza. Uh, no one here is too excited about him. I don't really have much to say about him. I don't really care too much about quarterbacks that are two years out from playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vicenza's not going to touch this field like Clay Klubnik is present. So I'm really not worried about him. He won't touch it this year. He won't touch it next year. So I'm not too worried about the future. Yeah, I know he's a guy that our, our recruiting team was pretty low on. I mean, I even I think I even heard Austin say the other day that you'd be hard-pressed to see him even take him with his last pick. So, <laughs> yeah, it's a, a t- tough sell there to even uh, go and grab that guy. Let's head on over to the running back room here. So last three years again. He had our boy, our call out. Kendra Miller was there in 2022. Um, before that, you had Trey Siggers, who disappeared in but 2021. And then 2022, you had Ulysses Bentley, who also had some hype. He was very productive. He has now also kind of disappeared off the Debbie landscape. Uh, in this running back room for Clemson, though, we have Will Shipley and Phil Maffa. Corey, you want to start off with Will Shipley? Yeah, I mean, I think Will Shipley is a a guy that we've been kind of tough on throughout this off season, maybe for the right reasons. You know, I I don't even know if you listened to that old podcast that I did with my buddy a few years ago. That was actually when Shipley was coming out that I sent to you. And I don't know if you listened to the scouting report I gave. I swear to God, it still holds true to this day, right? Like, I, like, <laughs> I couldn't get past you guys calling Kanana, uh, Kanana Ingram, Keontae Ingram, the next Alvin Kamara. I heard that. That was, I was like, oh. <laughs> oh, <laughs> they are smoking weed. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> Oh um, yeah, Keontae definitely had his hype back in the day. That's for sure. Um, but anyway, back to Shipley. Like, I think that this whole thing is less about you know Shipley being a bad player because I don't think he's a bad player. I just think his value is is too high for the type of player that he is. You know, like top twelve running back. Like, I just don't think what he is. I think he has very good complementary uh, like assets. You know, like a great set of hands. Somebody can be a weapon of the backfield for you. Uh, somebody who can make some big plays, get to the edge and make some noise for you. Like I, I, I know we talked about Bucky Irving a couple shows ago when we did the, the Pac-12 and we talked about his inefficiency running up the middle. Well, you know, you look at Shipley a little bit. It's not as bad when you look at the actual numbers. He definitely had some more success running up the middle than, than Irving did, but he does see a slight dip in between the tackles compared to running outside. He excels going towards the outside using that speed to get to get to the edge. Um, only 45 missed tackles on the year, which isn't a horrible number, but again, it's not elite. It's just an average number. I mean, Trey Benson, a guy that we're going to talk about here when we get into Florida state, he 
pretty much doubled his missed tackles forced on 40 less carries. You know, like that's elite. There's, there was nothing elite about the number he did, you know. And for a guy with speed, he's not breaking away a ton. 32% of his, his yards um, were breakaway yards. That's 14th in the ATC. So 14 other running backs were breaking away at a bigger rate. Than him. So I have trouble with him at his value. I still think he's a potential NFL player. Like if you want to go high-end comparison, I think high-end complementary role, maybe something like an Aaron Jones on the next level. But I also think like on the spectrum, there's just, there's just, you you could just get an everyday three down back on the low side here as well. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you there. I don't, he's just not a special runner. He's a fine yeah. runner. He's just not special. Um, I don't think he gets drafted though. I, I just don't, I, I don't, like I don't know the direction. I, zero, like zero. No, I think he's a day three guy. I think he's okay. a day three guy, um, okay. but I think he can get lost. I think he can get lost very fast. Uh, with the yeah. whole direction the NFL is going with running backs, it's a huge to, uh, debate topic. I wonder if Debbie Debate will uh, talk about, or sorry, uh, Collegiate Tiff or whatever. <laughs> whatever new name they're going to call <laughs> what themselves. It, what, did, what did you call it? Squabble? Something squabble. That was yeah, the Collegiate right? Squabble. Yeah. Only facts. <laughs> yeah. College football. <laughs> um, we won that, by the way. We won. We, they crumbled. Fully yeah. admitting that we were right about Debbie Debate's game. Yeah. I'm just saying that right now. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um. No, I, I think we'll see if we can get drafted. I just I don't I don't I don't see the NFL skill shot. I just don't I understand he's a good pass catcher, but I'm coming to, around now to the idea that being a running back pass catching is just checking the box. Like there's no like besides like the high end guys like Gibbs. Gibbs is very good. Austin Eckler is very good as a pass catcher. But if you're not like those two levels, it's just really a check of the box. Like, all right, he can do it. Check, like move yeah. on. Like, it's not I, I'm not I do think you're being a little bit tough on him as a rusher. Like I understand not thinking he should be a top 12 guy. That's where I am too. Even, you know, I don't even know where he is in my rankings. If I pulled it up right now, he's sitting at running back 17. Okay. So that's probably a little bit more where I am right now. He has decent contact, like for a smaller guy, he has decent yards after contact. He has decent efficiency, like all along the line, even though it does dip a little bit in the middle, like, and he's a thousand yard rusher. Like I, I think that, you know, you're maybe not giving him as much credit as he deserves as a rusher, but I am still there with you. He's valued he too runs, highly. He runs behind the Clemson line. I mean, I feel like he should be more successful just because of that fact. Yeah, I guess if I got him at, I got him at RB21 currently before my overhaul. I got Catron in front of him, for example, and Devin Neal in front of him. Let's move on to Phil Moffa here. I don't really have much to say about Phil Moffa. I know there's some guys here that I want to say – they did their hot take episode. I want to say Felix was the one that said Phil Moffa is the running back at Clemson. Is that correct? Or am I making that up? I think he's in on him, but I know if, uh, uh, I don't even know if he listens, but if he wants to correct me, if I'm wrong, we've talked a couple of times. You can Eric Froton, I believe is a big Moffa guy. He really likes Moffa. So I don't know if that's kind of just rubbing off on everybody a little bit too, but he was actually the better graded runner by PFF. If you want to hang your hat on things like that, but he was actually the better graded runner. He's six, one, uh, 225 pounds. So at least he does bring elite size compared to Shipley. Who's, you know, um, five, 10, two or whatever verified 4.5 yard or ver- uh, 4.5, 40 yard dash as well. So he's got some juice to him and he's kind of like the perfect, uh, like a, like the yin and yang thing with Shipley. Because if you look at his efficiency between the tackles, he's a much stronger runner in between the tackles. It actually dips when he tries to get outside. So maybe a guy who doesn't have the acceleration to kind of get the edges, but can pound the rock up the middle. They kind of pair really well together, but he's he's a zero as a receiver as well. Both these guys honestly are complementary backs, in my opinion, just in their own way. You know, he's a power complementary back, maybe an early down guy, two complementary back, 
like Will Shipley, who's a pass catching back. So it's a perfect backfield kind of to get, you know, if two of these guys were one guy, you'd get a really good guy, but they kind of complement each other really well, but, but they're two guys I'm avoiding entirely in, in, in Devi altogether. I just wanted to give you a little bit of a background on them at least. This is a great system for wide receivers. Again, we just saw TCU there with, I mean, with, uh, I'm blanking right now. Quentin Johnson Quentin was Johnson. there. Yeah, Darius, Darius uh, Davis had some hype too. Even though I thought he was more of a return special team, I think he got like seven on draft capital. But he still made it to the Senior Bowl, and that's pretty huge too. Uh, there's tons of TCU's passing offense was just prolific. It was constantly talked about here. We get that over here at Clemson now with a more I don't know open playbook. I think it's going to be spread out the offense a little more. I'm I'm very excited seeing this Clemson office with these weapons here i'm talking about like antonio williams adam randall bo Collins. like this should be the starting three for me um but we should see a huge uptick in production here so uh back to garrett riley though he had quinn johnson last year he was a first round pick the year before that he had rasheed rice and he also had rasheed rice in 2020 as well who also ended up being a second round pick this last year and then before that also at smu he did have danny gray who became a third round draft capital guy too but rasheed rice was the lead receiver in that room uh I'm going to start off talking to Antonio Williams here. I think Antonio Williams is the wide receiver one going into the season. He already passed Bo Collins before his injury last year, and he certainly solidified his spot as the starting wide receiver this past year. He, to me, as far as the freshmen go, I think he's the most refined route runner. He already has NFL athletic traits. He already has an NFL build. I think Antonio Williams, out of the freshman wide receiver group, I think he is the most safe wide receiver out of the tier one guys we talk about um at least at this point in time so i i am i'm a huge antonio williams fan i think i took him in this draft Mm -hmm. i want to say in the third um and i did have luther burden ranked ahead of him and i felt so dirty doing it i really thought to myself like i don't want to mess this up i'm going antonio williams and i'll flip them in my rankings because i I can't be a faker like that i can't be fake (laughs) yeah i mean i i I kind of agree with you there he does feel like he's pretty safe um, just to be, just to give contrast here, I'll give you some points of contention for me, which is, you know, some of the things that I kind of, uh, that kind of bug me a little bit. You know, you can kind of refute this if you want one. You don't have to, you don't have to. Yeah, I, I will. I will. If someone here would have to say <laughs> when Cade was at the helm during the last two games, small sample size. Okay. He really didn't do much. First game he started fourth on team in yards and receptions during the conference championship. Followed that up by being fifth on the team in receptions and yards in the bowl game. When Cade was there, Cade just seemed to prefer his bigger outside targets as well as the tight ends. He just liked his bigger targets. Maybe that's just a thing of a freshman wanting to rely on like some big targets, big guys he can just throw it up to. That could be a thing too as well. Number two, I just don't know if I've ever seen really any wow moments from Williams, okay? Not a truly dynamic open field runner. Only six missed four tackles on the year. And maybe maybe he's just out there making it look too too damn easy and i'm just giving him too hard of a of time but i just wanted to bring up some of those things and see what you have to say about that i don't have much to comment on the synergy with Cade. i mean he had eight targets in that bowl game i mean he only came down with five or with three shooting with three of those receptions he yeah. still was getting targeted um i think he's a really good runner i mean he shows off manipulation at like a young age too that, that, that's the one thing i'll give to him so a great route runner uh 1.8 percent drop rate as well fourth most receiving yards as a freshman i just want to say i'm just trying to give some points of contention he's very high yeah in yeah but all that stuff well, was but... close to the line because that playbook was built for dju i mean his what's the data let me look 
7.1 was his eight. Yeah, I, I don't think that's bad. I thought it was. I thought it was going to be lower than that, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, because none of that stuff really was just like dig routes coming right back to yeah. him, real fast, uh, release type package type stuff. Again, I'm looking for the open playbook here, and I think Aaron Riley is going to lead him to the promised land. But I, I still think he's really refined. I'm not worried about him as a player. I really thought most of that was just defenses knowing they're going to be quick and short, and so they can give him a little bit of cushion and just tackle him, only give them like three, four yard gains, stuff like that. Yeah, so I'm I'm just hoping to maybe see that year two jump where he be, where he becomes let he's less focused on like the game plan and everything like that, and he can truly be like the athletic guy that he is, and we can see a little bit more. You know, we we've seen this jump, even a guy like Troy Franklin, yeah. a huge jump from like year one to year two as a raw guy or and as an athlete or whatever. So maybe we see that come out in Williams a little bit more. So one, he's still very he's, he's like a yeah he would yeah dude he one was great on seventy five targets. That's pretty good. Yeah, one point eight percent or whatever. Like he's my wide receiver right now, uh, seven. So he's still pretty high for me. He's up there. I think I moved him up to three. Oh, wow. Just trying to fight Austin. Let's talk some Mr. Adam Randall here. Yeah, okay. Right. I, I do want I, to talk about this. You can go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I still really like uh, Randall, but I think it's it's true. that It's, it's tough to, to value him right now without knowing like what's going on. Like um, The bad news is seems to have gained weight. Um, you know, he hit those year one zero thresholds last year, but didn't really look that dynamic of a player on the field. It was a quick turnaround from an ACL as well. Um, and then you start to spring with a knee cleanup and missing practice, which, you know, everybody's worried about that as well. But you flip it to the good side now. It would seem that the cleanup was actually on the other knee. And I don't know if that's a good thing, but perhaps that knee was just like overcompensating for the other one, need to clean it up a little bit, like whatever. Um, and it would also seem like the weight gain up to 230 pounds might not as be as bad of a thing as we thought he posted some pictures on social media he was looking absolutely jacked i was looking absolutely ripped um and he was always a little bit of a big wide receiver to begin with so he had that kind of frame to add on to it and then you've got his teammates talking about what he could potentially do this year will shipley in, in, in an interview saying you know they asked him who's your one wide receiver you need to look out for this year he pointed to adam randall right away didn't mention Antonio williams didn't mention adam randall that's the guy you need to watch this year he's going to break out this year so this guy was borderline my wide receiver one last year in the freshman class because i absolutely loved his tape i just thought he was versatile he looked like a big freak they called him baby julio okay he looked like Closer to Julio than Hakeem. I don't think any of them are, are Julio, but I'm just saying he looked more yeah. like Julio than Hakeem does this year. Who gets those those comps? So I'm just really hoping we see the bounce back early, but I am interested in where you have him ranked. Cause for me, I'm tentative. I'm a little bit aggressive. I'm kind of like waffling in the middle. He's right there on my wide receiver 25 right now. Okay. So again, before my ranking overhaul, also wide receiver 25. No, oh, there you go. See, we're, we're like we're like this man, two weeks apart, and yeah. we're, we're still like this man. I actually looking at it right now. <laughs> the names in front of him. I think that's where he's gonna stay too after my overhaul. Yeah, I, like I got. I'm in. I, I I am in, dude. I know. Like, uh, we were worried about the waking because he's injured, you know. And I mm-hmm. I had plantar fasciitis in college too, so when I I also put on weight, but that's because I stopped running and it was just all upper body weight. You know what I'm saying? So, um, that was the only way that would ever be okay to gain weight while you're injured. Otherwise it's the assumption of like, well, maybe he just got fat dude. Cause he's not working out. He's probably just eating food. Yeah. You know, you go to college, Chipotle like two doors down. Like that's, that's kind of how it happens. Um, but like you said, we saw pictures of him shredded. So I'm, I'm feeling really good about it. He beat the year one zero mold. And then the other guy in the room, Bo Collins, they're kind of playing the same position. But just the lag of him not taking a step forward this year. I know he's dealing with injuries, but he still didn't take a step forward when we did see him on the field. Um, leads me to desire a little bit more. I'm trying to go for like the shinier toy over here, Adam Randall. So I, 
I think we're, we're going to do like a breakout episode probably like right before the season starts. But I would imagine that me and you both are like going to say that Adam Reno could be the guy that jumps up from the mid 20s to like the upper 10s by the time the season's over. Oh, yeah. He has it. Yeah. He has it in him. He's a lottery ticket. Yeah, he's a he's a lottery ticket that you're feeling good about. You know what I mean? Like people say 50 50. I'm feeling like 70 30 on it. You know what I mean? Like I'm hoping that that 70 percent pretty confident that he'll he'll make it. He'll make a turnaround to the guy that we possibly thought he could be uh, with Bo Collins, though. Like I was like me personally, I was just never really in on Bo Collins, man. I, I could never take him in drafts. I didn't think that his freshman season was really that ding, anything great. Like it was productive and he did like some OK things. But there were some broken coverages. There were some good plays like I don't. I, I didn't see anything dynamic from him. There might be some opportunity for him on the outside this year to be a player in this offense, possibly recoup some of that value. Some He was up there in like the teens for some people, but he's just not a guy target, man. He's not a guy I've rostered very much. And like, to me, he just seems like average, honestly, at best. You know, he's like is he a, a jump he's ball like a bully type to you? No, I don't. I wouldn't say that. I didn't, I didn't see like bully ball from him. I just saw like, I don't know. He, he's the Dane key of this offense. Not, not like they're similar players, but he just doesn't excite me at all about in this offense. I'm with you there. I, I really just, yeah, I, I didn't study him too hard this year. I really didn't. I just remember watching him live. and was just not too impressed at all. Yeah, he's um, at an insane value right now. If you do want to take a shot on him, if you do still believe like you can get him super late now. So, I mean, it's not like people are really holding on anymore. It feels like everybody's kind of come around to that conclusion. He had that shoulder injury and I know he came back the final week of the season, two catches for two targets for 65 yards on like 10 routes run. So, I mean, that was kind of cool, <laughs> but yeah, um, I believe that was also a busted play on the outside. But Again, I'm hey, not that's like Cade, out. That's Cade with those bigger targets, oh, man. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> out. I think. I think he's a lottery ticket too. I just don't think you feel good about this lottery ticket as much. As yeah, I'm out for once. For once, I can be the guy who's out. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> what do you have him ranked? You have that pulled up? Can I? Oh God, you don't want to spotlight that. Can I? Can I be the guy that can actually be mean for once? Let me see. Where's Bo Collins? I got him at forty three. Um, I can't even find them. I delete them. I'm just so pissed off. I just deleted them. I got I got Squirrel White and Jordan Tyson right in front of them. Well, I mean, I'm at 55, and I don't tell. Oh, 58. That's where he is. Jordan Tyson is right in front of him. Holy shit! <laughs> wow. But he's at 58 for me. In All between right. Jordan Tyson and Bruce McCoy. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Good. Good company. That's good. Company. Yeah, good company. <laughs> Um, any other wide receivers you want to talk about here? I don't think they brought in any dynamic freshmen, so no. Let's uh, let's, let's uh, head on over one. to Boston College. I cannot say this last name. I'm gonna give it a go though. New OC Rob Chudzinski and Steve Shimko come in. So, uh, 2020 to 2022 Boston College assistant, 2015 to 2017 Colts offensive coordinator, the 2013 Browns head coach. 2011 to 2017 Panthers offensive coordinator. And uh, we're going to take the time machine back another 10 years. He was the 2001 to 2003 Miami Hurricanes offensive coordinator. Um, Yeah, this one's kind of wild. So they, they take a chance on promoting from within. So Rob Chubb was the uh, assistant title. Sorry, given the title of assistant head coach of the offense an offensive development after his previous role of assistant special special assistant to head coach, uh, you know, whatever that means. Um, thanks, Nate. <laughs> Steve, Steve Shimko has been promoted to OC from tight ends coach. Uh, so Chazinski here is the guy with the colorful 
uh, history that I read off there earlier. So he has extensive history in the NFL. I'm not really sure how that translates over. This is college. It's kind of the field is a little bit different. Um, he is credited with having a major hand developing Cam Newton and later Andrew Luck. Um, but again, this is this is uh, NFL stuff, and he's going back to college here. So hasn't been in college since 2003 with Miami Hurricanes. Football certainly has changed the last 20 years. I totally don't even know who the starting quarterback is. I kind of forgot his name when I was watching some other players tape that we'll talk about in a second here. But who's the QB here? Are we, do we even care? I don't know if we really care, but we've got somebody by the name of Emmett Moorhead. Okay. The only thing that's interesting about him that I'll say is, you know, he's 6'6, 225 pounds. He's going to be the starter. He had some flashes um, when he got to start down the stretch. Start four games. Okay. In two of those games, he was over 330 yards passing. Um, he only had one game below 250, um, but nine touchdowns to five interceptions over that four week span. So, not entirely bad. Zero upside as a rusher, but. The guy that I kind of relate him to is a guy that we've talked about a little bit is the guy in Minnesota, which is Athen Kaliamakis or whatever, which is another big yeah. dude entering his third year, big arm, which is kind of the exact same thing here. Um, so maybe just a guy for us to keep some tabs on, nobody to rank just yet or anything like that, but maybe just somebody to keep on the radar because he is kind of that mold, that same kind of mold that uh, that Athen is over there in, in Minnesota. He's, he was pretty accurate. It was kind of rough watching him this year. I don't know how much i believe in his development i don't know i have, I have nothing to add to that i'm sorry i have nothing to include to your analysis there so no i'm just I mean, gonna move on yeah let's just move on from that yeah <laughs> all right let's get on to the running back room um chodzinski had frank gore run like 300 touches there his last season at the colts so i don't know are you interested in pat garo the returning running back here for boston college i think he's a small guy a little bit of a bowling ball type build not really. I mean, it's so weird to think of Boston College without a face uh, running back, you know, like A.J. Dilly. And even you think back to like Andre Williams, yeah. they just they seem to pump out these a thousand yard rushers, which was um, why it was kind of weird to see a step back in, in that department last year. Like Garwell was a guy who flashed at times. He did have an a thousand yard season under his belt like two years ago um, where he really kind of picked up steam. So I did take a couple shots on him entering last season, you know, hoping that he was going to be the bell cow. And then, you know, just didn't happen at all. He was wildly inefficient, like 3.1 yards per attempt. There was some yeah. injury things there as well. Um, they started to look for other running backs to step up. No one else really did. So for me, it's just pretty much up in the air right now. There's nobody here I'm interested in. All right, let's head over to the wireless room where I am interested in a player, and I will be talking about him. Joseph Griffin Jr., true freshman, uh, came from the New England area. I can't remember what state right now, but he was the number one receiver in his small state. He has alpha size, six foot four, two hundred pounds. I think this guy is a perfect Debbie stash, especially in your late rounds. He is fifty targets, zero drops. I want to say it was like eighteen receptions for. I'm actually going to pull it up. I'm going to get the exact Just under 300 yards or something, or just over 300 yards, if I remember correctly. Yeah, but he had five touchdowns. This dude was a red zone target. And again, we mentioned how Antonio Williams had one drop on 75 targets. He had zero drops on 50 targets. I mean, that's worth noting when a true freshman doesn't have drops. So 18 for 234 and five touchdowns, yeah. So I, I I watched this tape extensively. Whatever I could watch, I watched. I thought he had some sneaky movement ability for a guy his size. Like He definitely got some separation. Showed some great body adjustments, great ball tracking too. I think he can develop into a – I think I think he can develop into an NFL alpha, bully type receiver, you know, with some sneaky movement ability. But, uh, you know, he's 6'4", so I'm not ever going to say he's a route runner. That's hmm. not his game. But, but 
I really did see some nice fades. I was like, this guy's really good at knowing when to push off these these DBs to get some extra separation at the catch point. Like I I liked it. He high points well too. Yeah, no, I he's definitely one of your misfits that I have taken a little bit look at. Uh, look at there isn't much of a big sample size there. Like he was kind of like a jump ball downfield threat specialist like just a go route on the outside red zone specialist like so i definitely want to see some more like expansion in the route tree even if it's not you know i don't need to see this guy you know cut in and cut out and do like a crazy whip out or anything like that run a post run a comeback i want to see how fast you can decelerate and accelerate i want to see things like that so i i those are some of the things i want to look for in year two for him it seems like there's an opening here for him to be a guy on the outside at least the other guy in this room just to talk about even just a little bit here is ryan o'keefe i don't know if he's even really a devy guy but I will say that everything points to him um, taking over that Zay Flowers role heading into this year. Very similar players in that sense, twitchy in the open field. And you look at his time at UCF, he ran the ball like Zay Flowers did as well. Like he, he, he's 5'10", 170 pounds. He's, he is pretty much like a, a dollar store version of Zay Flowers. You know, he's just he's probably not the same type of athlete. He's entering his fifth year now, low-ranked recruit. Um, he's just the type of guy that I feel – is going to fill this role very nicely for the Eagles, a guy for your C2C draft or something like that. But I don't think he has anywhere close to the Debbie upside as a flowers had. I mean, first round pick, I would be surprised if this guy was a freaking high third day. Pick. I actually liked him last year. I looked at his. You tape. did, eh? Uh, yeah, I did. I did look at his tape at UCF. I thought he was going to come out. But you hate Zay flowers. Jesus. I just thought You're he was overrated. Guy. He was overrated. Yeah, okay. I yeah. thought Zay was overrated. I thought he would have been a day, day two pick. Mid day well, two you were pick. wrong. Well, you were wrong. Well, we'll see if he contributes at all. I'm not really hearing much good <laughs> stuff out of camp so far. And I'm not really in the NFL space, though, so there's also that. Um, Stick stay in your lane. <laughs> UCF is like a run-first team, though. They like these dual-threat QBs. I don't, they're not really known for their passing offense. I actually am a little excited from him for a CFF standpoint. No, never mind. Yeah. Sorry, I take it back. I forgot about their quarterback situation. I mean, sorry. <laughs> don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> um, yeah, dude, I, seriously, watching Griffin's tape, like if you look at Griffin's like stats, like I'm pulling him up here. Sorry to go back to Griffin for a sec, but uh, 1.7 yak, and it's not it's not because he's a catch and fall down guy. Like he really was having to twist and turn to get these fucking balls. Like they were pretty wild. Yeah. So, so like, uh, like that's what I mean. I see him. Ex- I see Joseph Griffin excelling at those like body contortion, yeah. body control, like like that kind of yeah. stuff. I just want to see more of a complete wide receiver from him. And then going back to O'Keefe, he's just smaller, so this inaccurate quarterback is gonna not do well for him on the stat sheet. Yeah. They'll, they'll have fun with him, I think. They'll use him like, say, end arounds, out of the backfield a little bit, short screen so he can do his, his damage in the open field kind of thing. So Boston College does, like, make, like, random players here and there. Who was the tight end that got Hunter something? It was Hunter something. Hunter Long. Go Hunter ahead. Long. Yeah, they, yeah, every couple of years they got some big name coming out that's kind of fun to talk about. So I think this can be Joseph Grissom here. Um, good. Are you, we good with Boston College? Let's go. We're good. Let's go. <clears throat> Let's head on over to Florida State here. There's no changes here. We're going over to the QB room. Let's talk Jordan Travis here. He is a talked about name as being a potential Debbie guy. Um, I'm not with it. I don't know if you are, but I, I see. I think he's a really good runner. I actually really do think he's a really shifty runner. But as far as like a thrower goes, if I let me just ask you a question: if you if you take away Jordan Travis's legs and just rate him as a thrower, would you rank him as like a top? like 40 thrower in college, you know, upper third. Mm, I don't know. I don't know if I would. I don't even know if I don't even, if I, I'm trying to even think of a list of 40 names just wildly in my head really quick. <laughs> just, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if I would. No, I think his running is probably a big part of his game there. The big part of what yeah, he brings. I, 
because he extends the play, players can eventually get open. I mean, Johnny Wilson's yeah. not a great mover. They got Keon, like, they got these big guys that are kind of slow. They're not very good at separating, but he buys yeah. that time with his legs and then gets the ball off. I don't think he's an anticipatory thrower either. I think he has to see the guy open. He has to see the lane before he throws it, and then he's not, to me, throwing with a ton of zip either. I don't think he has a lot of arm strength. Throws off that back foot way too often. Um, I just really like the legs. I think he's got phenomenal legs. I, I actually guys in the chat who is a better mover between him, like legs between uh, him and Jaden Daniels, for example. Yeah. You said Jaden Daniels. I actually think it was Jordan Travis, but you know that's fine. I think both me and you are both not high on either one of these guys. But yeah, no, it is it's kind of the same. But, I, but I, I I've, been, think... I've been watching Daniels for a while, though. I thought I think he's a better rusher. Okay, All right. yeah. So I, I do think Jordan Travis's legs get him drafted. I just don't think he gets drafted. I don't think he's drafted day two. I really do think that arm is just lacking too much. And even as a processor too, I don't think he's phenomenal either at that point. No. And then even the process things you, you talk about and you talk about him extending the plays. That's because I don't think he works well in a, in a rhythmic time. Yeah. 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 He's not a type of guy who's going to take a three-step drop, hit your target or your hot read. You're supposed to hit. He's going to be there. Hit that. He wants to see it open. He wants to wait. He wants to extend it, see the guy get open a little bit, then hit that guy deep, you know? So I do agree with you there. I don't see a lot of, of, of the zip for him into the, the tight, tight windows, a lot of air under those deep balls as well. I think he could be a little bit more of an aggressive downfield passer as well. Well, because he holds on to it so long, his arm can't get as far as his guys are getting downfield. So these guys are having to like adjust the things. He kind of he 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 suits more more that short to intermediate range. And like for me personally, I just don't know if the athleticism is going to translate to the next level uh, or actually be a big part of his game. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, sort yeah. of, like, sort of like the Baker Mayfield at Oklahoma. It's kind of the thing I, I go to all the time. With that was a huge part of his game at Oklahoma, and there was none of it in the NFL. It didn't translate at all because I don't know if he's that type of athlete. So I ultimately think those things are going to hold him back from being even a, a starting quarterback in the NFL. But I do think he gets drafted. He probably ends up on a team somewhere, um, probably a day three pick. Yeah, sixth round. I think he's he can kind of stick around as a backup too. Yeah, he's, yeah. I think he's a scrambler. I think I think he, uh, but not not a dual threat. He's not no. he's not a Hurts no. or a Lamar level runner. He's a very good scrambler though. Um, I didn't have anyone else in this room. I know I wrote down AJ Duffy's name on this sheet. Did you have you have any opinion on AJ Duffy? No, I was hoping you did because I don't have no opinion on <laughs> AJ Duffy. So we could just go right past that. <laughs> okay, okay. He's just a dual threat guy. I was interested in a little bit, but he was pretty bad in spurts but i've i've heard i think i've heard in some camp news that he's been picking it up i I've heard and he's a things. freshman this year or last no year? uh last year and i think he was like a top i know he's a top 20 recruit i'm pretty sure he was okay so dual threat guy same 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 kind of travis jordan travis mold uh let's head on over to the running back room pretty excited about this one here so the head coach norvell has a very good history of running backs from his time at Memphis. I'm talking about Kenny Gainwell, Antonio Gibson, Tony Pollard, um, Darnell Henderson, too. So these guys all get drafted, varying levels of success, but they've all been some sort of level of impact at the NFL. They've all been in your starting lineups at some point in time if you drafted these guys. But now he gets to a Power 5 program where he has guys with actual NFL traits here. And we saw Trey Benson absolutely explode last year in some high-level efficiency. Um I, I low-key have a pet peeve where I just hate where people mention his his missed tackles forced because 18 of those came against a really small school. So I, I think his elusiveness is a little bit exaggerated, but Stop I still it. think he's <laughs> I still think he's a phenomenal running back. 
Uh, Corey was in on him before me, that's for sure. So, Corey, can you talk to me about Trey Benson? He broke the record for missed tackle force rate in college, okay, for PFF since they've been keeping track. That's not just a one-game thing. It's an okay? arbitrary stat. It's all based on who's ever watching, whoever – Wrote that I wonder down. where he, I wonder where he would rank if he still took it out. I should look at the for it probably still be more than Will Shipley, anyways. But um, I mean, I, I've talked about this guy a lot. Uh, this is a my guy in the, in the Devi guide. You guys can go all the way back to a week zero tailgate show, C two C morning show uh, before any of the games even started. I was yeah, telling you to watch this zero. guy. All right, um, he was recovering off that gruesome knee injury. Had the had the the spring hype. And then he didn't really get he, he looked good in that in that week zero game, but obviously it was a big blowout um uh playing up uh Duquesne. <laughs> I got it right that time. So uh he he ripped them apart. He really didn't get a heavy workload till week seven of the season, still finished as a team's leading rusher in yards and touchdown, finished top three in the power five in missed tackles forced. <laughs> um yeah. Okay. Uh, top top three in yards after contact and top three in breakaway percentage as well. All in the power five, patient versus runner, low center of gravity, uh, bounces off tackles. A lot of people want to use the Javante Williams uh, comparison. I do see a little bit of that. Um, he's, he's a little elusive in the open field. He even returned a kick for a touchdown this year. So he's already getting a lot of love from the draft Knicks out there. We just talked about Brugler having him at, at RB four already um, heading into this off or heading into this year. So he's not going to be the type of guy who's going to string together multiple moves in the open field. He likes to redesign a scrimmage, get downhill quickly, bounce off tackles, you know, maybe another cut here and there. He's hard to get to the ground. I definitely yeah. need to see some more opportunities in the pass game. Um, so I want to see him add that to his profile, but I'm very excited for his potential. This is my running back nine, I believe overall in Debbie right now. What about for the class? What do you have him for the class? Three, I believe. You have him in front of Braylon. No, I don't have him in front of Braylon. Sorry. So four, four is where I have him. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you there. Him. I'm yeah. locked and stuck with you there. He's also my RB three. I, I, I don't, actually, I don't have anything to add there. I thought he actually looked a little bit better at uh, receiving. He's, he looked pretty dynamic the last two games. So I, I don't. Yeah. The transfers too. Like the, the room cleared out. It's his room. I think, I think yeah. everyone knows that's his room. So um, I love the call. I really do. This dude is just a, a truck. I'm with you, Corey. Corey, you're great. You're great, dude. You, you know <laughs> it. <laughs> Thanks, man. Um, let's get over to the wide receivers, though. Uh, we kind of talked about Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman a little bit earlier with Jordan Travis here. Um, so let's just continue to talk about them. Johnny Wilson's like six foot seven, two thirty. He's listed at wide receiver. Um, I'm speaking from. I think both of us here when I say this, uh, he needs to go the Darren Waller route, a transfer of converting over to tight end. He's just, he is a very good athlete for his size, for mm-hmm. his size. He's a very good athlete. And so he should convert over to tight end, get a little better at the blocking thing too. Because even though he's fast for his size, DBs that are already fast at their regular size are going to be able to stick with him at the NFL level. And a lot of his stuff is, is body catches. Yeah, he, he's he's got these long ass arms, but he doesn't use them. He just lets the ball come into his body. He's very good at boxing out defenders. It's a very tight end thing for him to do, uh, but he body catches. So I'm not really in on him being a Debbie asset. Didn't like most of the production come from like two, two or three big games too? It's just random blowouts. Yeah, it was a lot of, like, near the end of the year there too. Like it was like three or four big games. But yeah, and then even the Darren Waller thing, man. Like I think that's a one in a million chance. Like Darren Waller is a unicorn. The guy was a wide receiver, a big tall wide receiver spent like three years on a practice squad making his transition to tight end and then became a starting tight end and like blew up in the NFL. You know, like that's a one in a million chance. Like that guy even had alcohol issues and stuff like that and somehow climbed out of that. Like that's just determination. Like, and another thing with Johnny Wilson is I don't know if he's physical enough to be 
uh, a tight end at the next level. Like he's kind of a finesse wide receiver in a big wide receiver's body. Like you even see him move. Like I want to see him be more physical at the catch point. I want him to, to show me that my ball mentality. I want every ball in that in the air to be his. He's got the frame to do it. He's got the arms to do it. Every ball that's in the air should be his. And it's not, he waits for it to come. Even when he hands catches thing, he doesn't attack it. You know, he lets it come into his hand instead of like reaching out and extending and getting it and grabbing it before anybody else. Those are the kind of things that I think really need to step up in his part of this game. And then like, you know, like I think that there's a very real possibility that he's just Auden Tate at the next level, which is a possession wide receiver. I think that's a very real floor for him. Yeah, the upside is Darren Waller, but I think that's a very real floor for him. Camp MVP Auden Tate. And then they bring in transfer from Michigan State, Keon Coleman, who is six foot four, two hundred, and he plays a bully jump ball play style, right? Uh, kind of old school, and it just like these are the same positional guys to me. So I don't understand how they don't cannibalize each other. Um, you know, these aren't too, like a slot in an alpha or something like that. These guys definitely play the same position for me. So uh, Keon Coleman, though, again, bully ball type of guy here. That type of style of play, I'm not saying it's not going away. But jump ball guys aren't being as successful in the NFL. Uh, yeah, the the alpha bullies like they definitely they definitely win with some athleticism. But I don't view Keon as a special like runner. He's a really good jump ball guy. He's a he's, he's a very elite jump ball guy. I, I think you're, I think you're hoping for like a Devontae Parker out of Keon. Cole. Yeah, yeah, I can see that a little bit uh, in his game. I think I think I see the physicality from him that I wish I saw in Johnny Wilson. Like if you took some of that physicality, put on Johnny Wilson, you might have yourself a, a pretty good looking player. But he was also a year one zero, if I'm correct, right? Keon Coleman. I'm pretty I sure that he was ranked so. high enough. Yeah. So he so that's already if you if you prescribe to that theory, um, that's not a guy you're gonna want to target, you know. And I see the hype around him is pretty high. And I will say, you hear people around FSU with the cover three series on on Florida State, they talk about him like he's a future first round pick. Everybody believes that. We just saw Dane Brugler before and he's like, I don't know if this is just hype or something. It just seems like it's kind of coming out of nowhere, but maybe there's some untapped potential there that we need to see that's gonna happen. But at his current price, like I've been avoiding. I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm not gonna buy at that price. He's like, well, how high did he just go in our, in our draft? We just did round seven. Like that's yeah. Like that's just a, that's a little bit high for me. I just um, yeah, Chris Moxley. It's a little bit high for us over here. Yeah, <laughs> young so, young man. He could be a, a solid producer though on the CFF side. That's one thing that he could do. Um, but other than that, he's just not a guy that I'm willing to buy at at his price right now. Uh, also, he was not a year one zero, by the way. He uh, was ranked 377, so he's outside the mold. Oh, just outside. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Gotcha. <clears throat> Last year was 61, so you, you have that going for you. Um, let's talk about the freshmen, though. Uh, we got Vendravius Jacobs and Hakeem Williams. Hakeem Williams was a highly rated recruit. I think he was a borderline five-star. He is a ultra athlete, or at least he was. Shows up to camp uh, out of weight, out, out of shape, and um, just not – I don't know what to say. Not performing? Yeah. So, and then on the other side, <clears throat> you got Vendrevious, who's like six foot, kind of like the route runner type size, is a very good route runner himself, getting all the camp hype, um, but lacks the athleticism that Hakeem has coming in. So, uh, two very opposite guys. Florida State doesn't have, or or Mike Norvell, doesn't have the best track record of developing wide receivers. Um, so, I'm not touching Hakeem. I think he could be a zero. Uh, I'm saying that for a while. I think he's like my wide receiver, like 16, 17, 18 for the freshman yeah. class. 
Yeah, every time I look at him, he, I just drop him a little bit more. And he's still going high in drafts. Like I, I'm doing a freshman draft right now. He went in the second round. So you know, people are still buying into like some of that, some of those comps that are out there, some of the athleticism that's apparently out there. But he's, he's, he's go ahead. Sorry, he's older too. He's 19 in National Signing Day. That list is like a death sentence. Uh, it's it's just a trend that hasn't been broken yet. 19 year olds at Signing Day. Like uh, the guy that headlines it is Julian Fleming. Who's also who also class. even shares some of this was an athletic guy who won at at the high school level because he was athletic and you see this transition for some of these guys that come into you know that their respective college programs need to learn how to be more refined wide receivers you need to learn you know the guys on the other side are just as as athletic as you now playing at the at this next level yeah. up. you can't just rely on that athleticism you got to become refined and that's always a hit or miss with some of these guys are they going to take on the challenge or are they going to you know have a slow start like hakeem has had you know coming in a little bit underweight like just thinking he's going to show up and be the guy well you're not showing up you're being under you're being outperformed by a three-star wide receiver right now so you better you know you better uh shape up a little bit but yeah i have to give credit to our recruiting team obviously for picking up picking out Vandrevius Jacobs before I even heard anything about the guy. And then he blew up in spring practice. But I mean, like this is some of the, the work that our, our recruiting team is doing, picking out guys like this way down the list. And all of a sudden they're blowing up in camp. I mean, it, it's amazing stuff. Really good job by them. Yeah. And just being, being, the, you already said this, so I'm, I'm repeating what you said, but being this athletic at 19 years old, like you are going to look much more athletic than the other, like 15, 16 year olds on the varsity team that you're playing up against, you know, and then you go to college and everyone is, well, it's a high level athleticism when you come up to college. So you got to get adjusted to game speed and stuff like that. But yeah. So we're done with Florida State. We're done. Let's get over to Wake Forest. I think it should be a fast one here. Uh, Sam Hartman's gone. QB Mitch Griffiths is in. I don't care about Mitch Griffiths as a Debbie asset to you. No, we don't. 5'11, 190 pounds. Um, we did see him get to get one start last year. Uh, over 200 yards, 70% completion, three touchdowns, no interceptions. So what you can see from that is that he should be at least able to steer this ship and supply value to the wide receivers that maybe we're a little bit more interested in. Yep. Uh, he's a smaller quarterback, so look for those boundary wide receivers, not the slots. The yep. boundary guys do a little better, but the shorter guys, they can't see over that offensive line. They don't really sh- throw in the middle, short, intermediate area, but they prefer to more on the outside. Uh, running back room. This is like a deeper name here. I don't have much to say. I've just seen some good camp hype out of him. It's Demond Claiborne. He got a little bit of hype last year too, but didn't really see the field. So if you want to chase that Kenneth Walker story of Wake Forest just having a guy not utilizing him and then he'll blow up later, you can chase that with Demond Claiborne. Definitely an interesting to throw on my list, and I'll uh, probably look into him a little bit now. Well, you shouldn't till after the draft, okay? Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then going to the wide receiver room here, Donovan Green was a phenomenal athlete. I think it was like his freshman season, might have been his sophomore season. He blew up with like multiple 100 yard games towards the end, and then he tore his ACL. Tore his mm-hmm. ACL, uh, came back last year, missed the whole season, obviously, then came back last year and just didn't look the same. He looked fine in the spring game, but comes onto the field for the regular season and just he just didn't really bounce back. So he's entering his fifth year. Uh, one more year removed from that ACL, he might be a phenomenal athlete once again, but he really was such a dynamic player. So he is a post-hype guy to watch. Uh, I don't want to say day two is out of the books, but you are shooting from deep if you think he's going to be a day two guy. That is from deep. Yeah, I mean, Zayt Perry pretty much here become a what, what round do you get taken in? Five, six, fifth, yeah. fifth, yeah. Fifth, so, I mean, he, he was a pretty productive wide receiver. That's kind of what I would picture the upside for this guy being, or the other guy we're talking, we'll talk about in Jamal Banks over here. But Donovan Green is just has like a really crazy backstory almost, you know, like top 20 wide receiver in the recruiting class 
broke the year one zero mold. Everybody's getting excited about this guy. Um, and broke that year one zero mold despite only playing four games that year as well. Promising sophomore season, finished it really strong, like you said, with those over those 100 yard games, then just had the injury, made a return, didn't look the same. And now, you know, with this thing with, with Perry out the door, is it going to be Donovan Green? Most people are saying now that it's pointing towards this other guy in Jamal Banks, who is, you know, 6'4, 200 pounds, um, maybe fits more of what they want in that mold like at perry was well i mean they had at perry listed at like six four but he ended up like what six one so <laughs> i don't know i don't yeah. know any of the i don't know any yeah. of these guys sizes we'll see by the time draft comes but maybe he's more of the guy they're viewing as a replacement but i'm honestly not 100 sure it's going to be it i know our cff team and almost everybody out there believes it's going to be jamal banks but i'm not sure i see any of them as very high deviases anyways you know one of them has a chance to be pretty productive in this system i i personally like donovan green's profile a little better like i like his size a little bit better like a little bit smaller not so so big um i like his versatility a little bit better but i just don't know where he's heading like with his recovery and everything like that so this is just this is all up in the air for me a room i'm staying away from absolutely i do think green is worth the late shot i just do yeah. i do think he's worth very late very late um yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I'm a Green fan. I don't think it's going to be Jamal Banks. I'm, green is going to be the wide receiver one there. Go ahead and bookmark that, all right? Oh, I like it. I like it. <laughs> um, I do want to say about Wesley Grimes, though. I just want to mention him. He was a true freshman last year, did not beat the year one zero mold. He was a highly rated recruit, um, but he does have a uh, route runner type skill set. So probably not the future this year, but maybe a good stash pick for next year. Post-hype guy. I wouldn't say much for – I wouldn't – I don't think I'm going to believe in him for Debbie, though. I just want to mention his name because I think he could be a name that's discussed two years from now down the road um, where, we, where we will be naysaying him two years from now as well. <laughs> um, Corey, is that it? Is that it? Wraps it up. No Wake Forest, no more Wake Forest takes? That's it. No, that was a long one, man. It was, it was nice to be back behind the mic with you, man. Though I enjoyed it. Yeah, I missed you. And I know you missed me. Missed you too, buddy. going to blame you. All right, guys, thank you for listening to us. Uh, join us next week. We'll wrap up the ACC. Go ahead and check out Home Field Apparel. The, the promo code for that is Campus, the number two Canton for all that retro gear. From Mike and from Corey, good night and good luck.